Now, Alex, we normally start an episode of Pie Hard with an icebreaker, but I think mm. it should be renamed for this episode to Jawbreaker because there is a <laughs> consistent fighting boxing theme that runs throughout this episode of Pie Hard. Let me explain. Let me start. Okay. It kicked off with Eddie Maguire, former president of the Collingwood Football Club, acting as MC at the recent Combosis versus Haney fight. Right, didn't know that. Marvel Stadium on Sunday. You didn't. You did see that one? No, not my sport of choice, but I heard it pulled a big crowd. <laughs> fellow, fellow pie harder Chunky was there in attendance. I think he was front row. Actually, front row. Yeah, throwing chairs. They throw chairs at that type of event. Throwing spittoons, I think, at the end of uh, every quarter. I wonder if Chunky's up there with uh, you know each round, just sort of getting around in. <laughs> Do you in remember the? Um, National International Darts Championships where it ended with a riot, people tearing the seats out of the Marvel Stadium stands. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't that, that was, look that one up. It was we're um, getting pure we're chaos. getting there. Okay. We're getting there. So also today, news has been announced that uh, former Premiership legend Dane Swan has mm. announced that he, he is stepping into the ring in August, I think, to fight Adam Cooney, right, Brownlow medalist from the Bulldogs. So. I don't know what to <clears throat> I don't know what to make of that announcement. It's an odd couple. A, it's an odd pairing, isn't it? Yeah. It's I would have suggest I I think that Cooney's quite a bit taller, right? But um Dane might have a weight advantage. Well, I was asking a boxer, also Chunky. I was asking this I was asking Chunky today about his thoughts on the fight. And he said what's most important is whether these guys had boxed as juniors. That's yeah. going to be the that's going to be the key to this fight. Um, not necessarily how fit they are or how um, how much preparation they do, but if they have that boxing sort of pedigree or that boxing training mm. ingrained from youth. Is it a legitimate say- like 12-round, you know, heavyweight pugilism? Heavyweight. Or is it is it like more of a exhibition match? I'm sure it's I think it, matter, it's right? a, it's a, it's an exhibition, of course. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure the duration. And I'm not sure if it's like is it like wrestling where it's sort of, you know, land a couple of blows early, then I'll go down and you go down and we'll put on a show for the crowd or is it literally come out and destroy, like put an end to Cooney's media career, you know, by like having his jaw wide shut. I don't know. I don't know if there's any animosity. I don't know who's behind it. I don't even know where it is. Um, but uh, <laughs> It's at Marvel Stadium, isn't it? Or am I getting mixed up with the precious Cambosas? Maybe, maybe. They're all at Marvel Stadium. But interesting, like I don't know. It's a funny one because- Surely Cooney, who's on like national TV, has more to lose mm. than Dane Swan, who sort of isn't really fronting media. I mm. don't know that, why. Why I'm led to believe it always it be. smacks of desperation, doesn't it? I mean, even even when you get people doing it for real, like mm. Barry Hall, etc. Mm. Like when they come out, it always feels like a money grab. It feels mm. grubby, and I when I saw the headline, I felt. Kind of instantly bad for Dane. I kind of jumped to the conclusion that he's in financial trouble. I don't know if that's unfair, <laughs> but it's it's kind of a. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Well, I I automatically went in a different direction. I I assume that this is an idea around some kind of charitable sort of okay. fundraising um, initiative, which I I if it's true, take take my hat off. But the thing with boxing, like boxing, is an art, and you've got to like the best boxers are just like absolute. You know, top shape, muscle, going at it, ten yeah, rounds. Yeah. You know, Tyson back in the day. Oh yeah. So if you're not, if you're slightly off, if you, you know, if you're not super ripped, yeah, it can look, it can very easily 
trend into the into the bar fight territory? Well, on that note, I've I've just brought up one of the articles covering the announcement today, and I've got to say, as much as I have always wanted to hate Fev, um, mm. he does have a knack for making me giggle, mm. mostly through his stupidity, but. He's a kind of lovable rogue, Fev, and he's come. He's actually paired with Cam Mooney on the same fight card, so he'll he'll fight on the same night as Swan and Cooney. He'll have Mooney and Fev, and he's Fev in the announcement has said about his training, which he started three weeks ago. It's bloody hard. I'm coming from zero fitness. If I go out there and look fat and hit the canvas, it's embarrassing. But if I look good when I hit the canvas, at least I've got something to go by. Right. Yeah. He's taken this from day one. It's an interesting pairing, isn't it? Because you'd think they'd choose footballers with like, you know, a history, like, you know, some some kind of like showbiz animosity, like you're not even that, but like, you know, Carey or Djakovic or just, you know, mm. one of those ultimate jewels in football. Lloyd and Saul. Um, Lloyd and Saul, but they've gone, they've just gone completely random. Like Cam Moody? Look, I think. Maybe there are only a few desperados willing to put their hand up. All right, let's 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 keep moving on. We we did see as well. So on the subject of fighting, we can't move on without uh, discussing. Um, look, what's going on down there at uh, the beautiful, opulent Casey Fields mm. down in in Cranbourne South. Where is it? Cranbourne. Wherever it is, okay. I'm not sure. It's it's, yeah. it's okay. south southeast. Southwest, I'm not sure south, it exists. We've covered that. No, before. it's a mythical, it's a mythical legendary place. If anyone has actually seen this Casey Fields, all we know is it's a very, very long, long way away. <laughs> but we did get breaking news, and obviously in the lead up to um, the Queen's birthday uh, game against the Demons on mm. Monday, all is not well no. in the Demons camp. No, we have got reports coming to hand of what would be considered a very nice uh, and reputable dining establishment in Entrecot in um, Paran. Entrecot, um, get out. Yes. Turning into a, you know, something out of a Wild West picture, you know, where you've got the uh, barman smashing bottles over the um, over the counter. You've got, you know, people swinging from rafters, <laughs> a penis, a penis in the corner, yeah. Sergio Leone, a, a spaghetti western. And you've got none other than, um, I think he's a leader at the club, Stephen May, uh, throttling a, a fellow um, teammate, uh, not the not the first time. Not the first time Stephen May has been in a quagmire. Yeah, he's uh, a suspect individual, isn't he? He's just he, he loves to get on the booze, and he, he tends to do it a lot when he's recovering, which is a bit of a no no in modern <laughs> AFL circles. Especially as I heard from from some pundit today, uh, recovering from a concussion. Not the yeah. best. Um, not the best way to kind of go about that. But look, fortuitously, and I'm, this will have no bearing on the results. So I'm not going early. I'm not saying any of that. But um, was he playing? I don't even know if he was playing. He's probably going to make it back. But it does play into our mm. what we discussed on on a couple of pie hard episodes ago about how the the good players tend to get up for Collingwood games. So nice to have a little bit of that uh, steam taken out of the uh, demons juggernaut oh, as the mate. muddy pies, who have, I think have won the last three against Melbourne, um, come up against them on Queen's birthday. That's an understatement, Damo. This is the first. Small brushstroke in the third <laughs> panel. <laughs> There's no doubt this- about it. Like, he's their best player. Yeah, he I, is. I, mean, I know that Oliver and Petrarca are better mm. all-round players. He's their most important player structurally. Lever looks like a floppy arm child without May alongside mm. him. Mm. And 
I gotta say, from a Melbourne point of view, if I could put my Melbourne, you know, top hat on, <laughs> I feel like they've missed a trick here. They need to take a leaf out of the pragmatist Mick Malthouse's book. And the <laughs> better play. you are, you know, if you're good enough, you can get away with murder and play on the weekend. They've just lost two games, <laughs> Melbourne, for the first time in a year. They're absolutely reeling. They need to win. The pressure's on, and they've gone and suspended their own most important player because he's throttled, you know, some French player in a French <laughs> bistro. I mean, come on, Melbourne, like get your shit together. You've just handed us the trip titch. I think they've. I think they've. It's a modern day Malthouse, right? Because he's only he's only serving a one game suspension, right? But when you really unpack it, he was drinking during recovery. Yeah, like, okay. that's a strike. Yeah, he was fighting a teammate. That's another pretty big strike. Mm. And the third strike, I think they re- they caused a bit of damage to the um to the restaurant. Did and they? So as of tonight, I think there's been no like apology to the establishment. There's been lots of like uh-huh. dour faced apologies to clubs and teammates and all of that. But the the joint they actually shot up, um, not um literally. Uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of like one match. It just seems like uh, it seems like the the Melbourne Football Club are pulling the um the Malt House kind of um you know a bit of a wrap around the knuckles. You know, everyone deserves a fifth chance style approach to coaching. Have you ever been to Entrecot? I haven't been to Entrecot. No, I've been to Francois. So I've been mm-hmm. to Entrecot in Paris, okay. and obviously it's a formula. <laughs> This is not the same one, is it? Just, just. <laughs> he also got suspended for bailing for a weekend, Dennis Rodman style, for a long weekend mm. in Paris. But I can tell you, it's a it's a great establishment. Their their signature, yeah. and it was a rip off of Paris, is quite thin steak, which has been tenderized, which I thought was a bit suspect. Mm. But then covered in a green sauce, which you'd also might think is suspect, is delicious. Served with French fries, and they give you an mm. automatic second serving when you don't ask for it. A second serving of what? French fries or the Both. flat flattened steak? Both. Yeah, the waitress comes around and just slides <laughs> an extra serve of steak and French fries onto your plate without asking. It's fantastic. Wow. And I can't speak for the local venue here in Melbourne, but the French establishment is a jolly, mm, hearty, mm. you know, friendly environment only a few blocks from the Louvre. So, you know, for you to go there, Stephen May, see red to the extent where you're willing to throttle your own teammate. I tell you what, you've basically mixed our palette of colours and all we've got to do is throw it at the canvas, Jackson Pollock style, for the triptych. Look, what a great lead-up to uh, Queen's birthday. Uh, salacious, wet the whistle, nice to not be Collingwood for a change mm. and we hope that that kind of preparation really, um, you know, lends itself to a, a cracking game on Monday. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut. Shut up. So this, of course, is the Pie Hard podcast, uh, Collingwood's other spiritual home. Uh, we're a podcast connecting the worlds of Collingwood and culture. 
like we've just talked about at the top of the show, and we bring you the hidden story, strange beauty, and offbeat culture of the magpies and beyond. Now, we are going to start where we normally do on a very cold, frosty June evening, and that is reviewing. I love these segments when we win. They're, they're a bit laborious when we lose, but <laughs> we are going to go straight into game in a movie, and that's when the two of us review the last round's match, which just happens to be if you're tuning, you could be tuning in, in in a month's time, so this could be completely not relevant. But just for for people that are listening, um, omnipresent, mm. uh, it is of course the Collingwood versus Hawthorne game, which was played at the MCG on Sunday. We're going to go straight in. Am I doing this one? You're doing this one, Damien. Okay, I'm going to start off as we always do with the hero. Okay, and for this game, my hero, my hero is. None other than the chosen one, Nick Dacos. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a hero for a couple of reasons. He's had a little bit of what I'd call um, a flat period, which is very, very typical of a first-year player, um, you know, coming in off the hype of, of, of getting your first game and sort of getting a feel for AFL football. And then, you know, it gets a bit cold. Your body gets knocked up. I think he was carrying an injury over the last couple of weeks, maybe a knee or an ankle. So, you know, you'd be forgiven for just going, look, just – do your best, get a couple of touches here and there and contribute as best you can. And if you need a break, we'll, we'll give you a break. But no, Nick Dacos turned out one of the all-time great. How, how many games has he played? How many games oh, have we played? It's not more than 11, is it? 11, right? So 12 a, maybe. A dozen, right? We'll call it a dozen games, AFL senior level. And, geez, that was fantastic to watch, especially in the clinches. Mm. Wet, wet football, but sublime delivery. And I know this has been covered a little bit, but just his effort to go back, you know, run into packs, spoil, uh, and then quickly turn around, set set plays up, run, and and, and get into position mm. very late. Like I'm talking in the in the fourth quarter when the game was up to grabs. Mm. Shows a level of maturity. Um, shows a lot of excitement and uh, palpable, you know, enjoyment of what's to come. Watching that watching that kid play. Oh, football. and the meters gained. Factor. Now, we're not really one for stats on this pod, but I think that that was a real, really arresting statistic for Nick. Just his influence on a game, being able to get it forward in an era where we have certain accumulator type midfielders copping flack. Um, and not notably, I remember Darcy Parrish after Anzac Day, for instance. They get mm. their 40 plus or whatever, but are they moving the ball forward? Are they being damaging with their possessions? Well, Nick Dacos, you know, age. 16 or however old he is, is <laughs> well and truly like using each and every possession to, to have an impact on the, on the game and drive it forward. And he's doing it at 95% efficiency or something of that nature on the weekend, which is astonishing. And he's just stepping into his own. Um, he said earlier that he was probably a bit invisible in the early rounds, even though he was racking up possessions and playing a really good role. But he's starting to um, just build that confidence at the level and that's why we call him the chosen one. Mm. That's why he's this week's hero. Now, we're going to talk about the villain. Now, the villain, oh, look, it's villains, really, plural. Mm. We're talking about the umpires. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. Um, look, there's not many sports on earth, not many, not many codes where rules can be interpreted by a referee in the moment depending mm. on, on their mood and how they feel. <laughs> and that's very much what we saw with Ginevan mm. 
mm. on the weekend and clearly a remit from the umpires. I don't know if this came from head office, but clearly on the on the day taxing that player for the style of play that he had become synonymous for. And I'm talking, of, of course, about the- um, Weekend the, the at head, The head high tackles, the weekend at Bernie Legs, you know, his efforts his efforts to evade. Yeah. And it's just, it's mind, like, it, it, it's- I don't think we've spoken about it enough. I think it gets, I think it gets kind of cast aside as just this really quirk of AFL football. Mm. But like, can you imagine <clears throat> that happening in like the NBA or Premier League or in cricket? Just an umpire going, I, I don't like how you, you know, don't attack the ball. Yeah. So you're going to be, pe- we're going to penalise you until you kind of clean that up. The amount of umpire discretion in the game, you're right, is. It's quite unique in world sport. The thing about the Ginevan um, tactic is I don't know why umpires can't just say to themselves in their in their midweek meetings, look, if a player like Ginevan gets caught high, it's a free kick because there's nothing in the rule book about like drawing a high free kick by adopting the weekend at Bernie Knees. You know, like mm. just because he goes in low – um, and and draws that high contact doesn't mean that it's not high contact, right? Mm. Like I th- some of those free kicks were quite glaringly obviously there, mm. and um, yeah, it's it's a weird one. And what kind of a sport has an umpiring fraternity that has to get together with their umpiring boss every week and and recalibrate how <laughs> they're going to apply the rules? Like why can't we just you know? enshrine these rules stick with them for a while i mean there's a, there's a lot of commentary around this this year mm. in particular but it does feel like there's a lot of discretion and there's a lot of variation and the other one was darcy Moore at the other end which was mm. obviously a a, a, a wrong call mm. freaky in the goal square to hawthorne the, the darcy Moore thing I, I i'll let slide like there's there's shit decisions in a game Pardon and you kind of learn, learn, learn to live with that and it didn't have any bearing you know luckily on the result but yeah, the, it, it kind of almost begs a question to me, and I, I'm not a proponent of this, and I don't think we should bring it into to AFL football, but if umpires are going to act mm. like, you know, cowboys, I think they should bring in the um, captain's call, like where oh, the yeah, captain- like review. the cap A review, right? The captain yeah. can come up and say, that's just total bullshit, yeah, review it. Because I think it shames the umpire as well. Like there's a bit of a public shaming. Like if you mm. do call the review and it's two like- po- bla- Two per game, two captain's reviews per game. Two Each. captain's reviews per game. That And you eradicate that and you keep the you keep the umpires honest. It's great. And there's, um, a, there's a bit of razzmatazz. I mean, no one likes waiting too long, but comes up on the um, on the big screen. I mean, it could, the only thing is it could foment kind of an egg, a rotten egg throwing kind of tirade when they're- Publicly discredited. Fine with that. In front of ninety thousand. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Look, they are anyway. Like you know, when there's a bad decision and it's replayed on the um, on the jumbotron. Like what? you know, what do you think the crowd does? Like I mean, it happens anyway. I- I'd rather do it in a um. I'd rather build a bit of hype. You know, like you know the the clapping before it happens. But yeah. I think that's the only way. Like it- it's it's kind of forcing the hand, right? Because if that's how the game is going to be umpired, if there are going to be rogue operatives umpiring AFL football, making decisions about players, regardless of what you think of the style of play 
Ginevan plays with or the guy from Footscray irrelevant. It's not, it's not, this is not a Collingwood matter. This is an umpire matter. It shows that they buy into the football media, doesn't it? The umpire. Yeah, they do. The narrative. Yeah, yeah they really you, do. It's everywhere in the media. And obviously, for the umpires to have that kind of awareness of that player, particular player's tactics, um, it's an interesting one. But Ginevan, for his part, I do agree with Fly's take on it. It is a skill. Um, and what's missed is that, yes, there was a couple of non, non free kicks paid hmm. but there's also a couple paid where he gets a couple of goals so the tactic is very effective and um as long as he's kicking snags where? what do you think do you think um like getting the crystal ball out and looking ahead to queen's birthday what the umpires tend to do and it's it's glorious is they'll they'll overcorrect. so there'll be meetings happening this week where they're like guys that was blatant you mm. can't you, you got you got to pay it regardless of how he plays you're gonna have to play it. so are we gonna see ginevan come out and kick like five or six on Queen's birthday. Well, he loves the big All stage. from results yeah. and free kicks. In some ways, it's a, it's a real shame that we're being robbed of what would have been the main spectacle of mm. Queen's birthday, which is seeing the throttler, the entrecot throttler, mm. take on Ginevan in a spectacular mm. like, life <laughs> or death. <laughs> yeah, we we have been we have been robbed. We have been robbed. We have been robbed of that. <laughs> Can you imagine how angry Stephen May would get if he, if he's angry enough to like? Beat the living shit out of his teammate, <laughs> teammate at a steak yeah. restaurant. How angry would he get at Ginevan on on Queen's yeah. birthday after he draws his eighth free kick and kicks his sixth goal? Yeah, he's he's like the opposite of side bottom, isn't he? He's always sulking. Like you yeah. know, even Never when they seen win, a smile for him. Yeah, he just doesn't. He's just got can't. the Elon Musk upside down smile. Can't get one out. Um, okay, I was I was going to go love scene, but I'll go plot twist because it um it's a continuation of the umpiring theme. But the plot twist is. You know, I don't know if you picked up on this, but the the dialing back of the descent rule again, just to just to really double mm. down on the the farcical nature <laughs> nature of this um, you know, this game in many ways and the and the <laughs> yeah. umpiring fraternity is like just that classic retraction of one of the most controversial yeah. and um, you know, bizarre rules that we've seen in the modern yeah. game. There's so to, much discretion with that. What to now? Keep it? Yeah, go on. Did you did you did you hear that the the sort of the the missive from headquarters was okay, guys? A little bit too far. We're going to correct. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Yeah. Don't, don't mention I think it. Think we won't notice when suddenly there's no free kicks. <laughs> I mean, I think they should have just kept it at abuse. If the umpire <laughs> yeah. feels abused. Physical, physical abuse. Physical, Steve like eye gouging. Yeah. If the umpire is <laughs> eye gouged, there's a freak against. But with the descent, there's, there's, I mean, there's too much. Mm. There's too much kind of analysis required or not analysis. There's, there's too much variation in. We saw Mason Cox um, cross his arms charmingly. Um, yeah. You've got this whole new genre of body language, which is like the, the anti-descent or the, um, just the descent, which has been caught at the last second and turned into another kind of maneuver. Like when you yeah. mid conversation, you, you go to say something, you try not to say it, and you end up like scatting. <laughs> <laughs> Scatman, what is it? Scatman John, yeah. Scatman Pete, what was that? Um, I can't remember. This escaped me. Um, love scene. Scat, Scatman Joe. Okay, love scene. Um, but look, it has to be uh, one of our favorites on. Um, Pie giving a bit of love to the forwards uh, this week. Mm. Uh, Ollie Henry. Again, yeah. um, featuring who, twice in a row. I guess someone hit us up and said, do you think he looks like a young Tom Cruise? 
which I oh, yeah. kind of – yeah, I can, I can get that. He's a little bit taller than that Tom Cruise. That was Surge, wasn't it? Surge. I think it was Surge. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Surge, friend of the pod. I, I can absolutely see, and obviously with um, mm. with Cruise shooting up the uh, – rocketing up the uh, the film charts at the moment. But, yeah, Ollie Henry um, presenting, seizing his moment and icing the game mm. with, a, you know, a beautiful goal. He's a beautiful kick. I don't know. He gets cops a lot of shit, um, or he did at one point. I think well, that's ridiculous. it's just ridiculous. that Bulldogs game. He, sta- he does stab at it, or yeah, put it this way, he doesn't extend his leg through the ball. But I, but I think that's just kind of Whatever how he works. kicks. He makes good I, I don't contact. Have, yeah, I don't he- have any issue with that. Like, the Melbourne guy takes... Takes a, like a seventy meter run up. Like I, I, don't, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a. I don't think. I, I mean, there's pure. There's a pure. It's not one way to skin a cat. There's a pure kicking action which we all admire, and I'd say Nick Dacos has that really silky kind of pure body, body mechanics, body machinations. But who's the best kick in our team? For best set shot or best kick? Best all round kick. I think Pendlebury's pretty decent still. Pendlebury's. An elite decision maker, as we all know. Yeah, he's uh, a good kick, though. He's, he's a good kick. He's a very good kick. Sidebottom's got the ambidextrous thing going, but yeah. he's not a natural. His kicks are con- he kind of kicks it quite hard and it mm-hmm. often kind of floats through. But I, I actually would say for, my, for mine, Quainor, mm. I think Quainor's, oh, yeah. the crispness of Quainor's contact. Contact, yeah. yeah. It's just like if I feel like if he wanted to on the run, he'd mm. kick at 90 metres, but he just kind of doesn't quite have to. He doesn't have to kick kick it hard. It just comes he, up beautifully. He does He does have that very fluent. And, and look, I think it's I think it's uh, accentuated by the fact that he's always streaming out of the back line, uh, just, you know, with an open field ahead of him. So, you know. But back to but, Count I mean, Dracula, don't mm. you think that the not dominant narrative that sprung up is A, around his set shot, Mm. Goal kicking since the Bulldogs game, but B this whole thing that gets mentioned every game of he really wants the moment, he wants the ball back. He just made a mistake, but he wants the oh, ball yeah. back. He, and it's like they yeah, just I, keep I heard on that. bang on about it. Like, <laughs> I heard if that. the ball comes in, he's paid to jump at yeah, it, and they're gonna catch you're it. gonna go for yeah. it. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. oh, I just missed a set shot. I'm not gonna try and mark this one. And what's That's Gary Lyon? Gary Lyons talking about this fraternity of forwards that after missing a goal go and hide in a pocket or something like this. Kind of, yeah, that like, was very like, Melbourne 1995, yeah. Like drag themselves like it's insane. <laughs> like that, that's it. No, he's just he's just really good at jumping and catching the ball. Yeah. And that's what, he, that's this, what he's paid to do. I'll let this one go because I just missed a shot. Yeah, no, that's one. And, and how much of that, I think, how much, just unpacking that for a second, how much of that be, was because the kick was like almost from an identical yeah. part of the ground it just felt like you know it felt like a redo whereas yeah. you know if he kind of marked it you know in the goal square or like 50 meters out directly in front i don't know if he goes for that but i will say this before we move on um because we need to move on uh, very stiff to miss out on the uh, love scene is jordan de mm. and big moment uh, jordan de big moment goal we've been talking about this on on, a, on our group chat for a while now that we're due a big Degoe goal mm. and he delivered and it was big. And he gets, you know, he, he's maligned as a player and he doesn't get the usual gushing adulation for, for a, a couple, several reasons, mm. which we won't go into, but he's been playing really good football and that was a, that was a, 
pivotal moment and I feel like that was the pendulum swing. Mm. We don't have a we don't have a section called pendulum swing. If we did, that would be well, it. We, but we do now. We do now. Pendulum swing, Jordan Goy. Yeah, I think look, let's go back to the incident um with the hotel dressing gown. Mm. At that stage, we we've he's yet again hit like the headlines for all the wrong reasons. What are you hoping once he's come back to the club after he's, you know, self-imposed exile, whatever it was, mm. he's got through the court appearance, you know, what are you hoping from Jordan for the year? Well, I'll tell you what you're hoping for him to put his head down, uh, play his role, work through the midfield, prove that he can do that, um, kick some important goals here and there, but just be a team player, like be one of many, mm. um, side by side, you know, well, what's the tagline again? Made of many? You know, and and Dugowie's done it. Like he, it is absolute textbook coming back from scandal. What he has done this year, mm. it's exactly mm. what you want. I think, I honestly think that just from a behavioural mm. point of view and a consistency point of view on the park, he has guaranteed his next contract at Collingwood. And I mm. believe, you know, everyone's saying that privately he wants to stay, and I think that he will stay now that he's kind of he's locked down, and you know, he's he's progressed with his career and he's delivering. He mentioned he dropped that he dropped that news because I did read that and he dropped that news I remember at like a um it was like a pub talk last week did you did, did occasionally there's these great things where the a couple of players will like get together go to like Daisies in Ringwood or like one of those really crazy like um suburban pubs like the Hallam Hotel and stuff and do like a I don't know. It's like an unsanctioned. It's not like an official club thing because they're on the poster and they don't have any of the logos mm. on there. Like it's a, it's like a real. Okay. It's yeah. a real like under the table type setup. But I'd love to. Again, side note here, but I'd love to go to one of those one day and do the a Melbourne pod. supporters that went to the Melbourne version of that in the weekend end up with PTSD <laughs> after Entrecot. Red wine all over there. Uh, crisp white Oxfords. <laughs> Okay, let's move it along into some familiar territory and I'm going to throw to you to kick off with your hard yes for this episode. Yeah, Damo, this week the hard yes goes to Dale Thomas who went and played a game for the Mm. Neil Tigers. Now, have you been to Neil? Uh, Neil Danaher? Neil. Neil. N-H-I-L-L. No, no, sorry, I haven't been to Neil. I thought it was Niall. Nil, no, it's nil. The okay, road it's to nil. nil. Okay. okay. No, in my imagination, it's known for a few things. A, there was a. Where film. is it? It's like on the Western Highway, halfway to Adelaide. What? Yeah, oh. it's in the middle of nowhere. It's like, oh, it's right. just totally landlocked, arid, barren landscape. Like, you know, it's like something out of Wake in Fright. It's near Garangarung. Yeah, I think it's near Lake Bolak and that kind of thing. Anyway, I'm. Fortunate enough to have been to Neil a few occasions on the way to Adelaide and um, hmm. shout out to the Neil Milk Bar there that does a good prawn euros. Now, if you think what I thought. <laughs> what? Yeah. If you think prawn what I thought. Prawn euros? Like, don't, don't it's, nowhere near, it's nowhere near the sea. No, no, well, that's no. That's what no, I no. thought, Damien. But, um, oh, my God. No, the way they defrost those prawns, um, you know, they're, oh. ex- they're expert and they wrap it up in the euros and away you go. We're going back Flo- to Flown in from Sapporo every uh, Tuesday. This, this this was in about 2002 before, oh, you know, the, the, the hipster gentrification hit Neil. Mm. Also known for, um, it's the home of, uh, I was going to say Pluck-a-Duck, Love-a-Duck. 
What? Love a Duck is one of the, if not the main producer of duck meat. Oh, yeah. And stuff in Victoria. Um, yeah, it's a huge business, like worth $30 million. Awesome. And they chose nil. And it's, you Did can actually, if you, Google, if you Google it, some great articles. I think there may even be an Australian story about it. Mm. Basically, a lot of immigrants end up working at Love a Duck in nil. And it kind right. of re energized the economy of nil having oh. this big duck. Factory, I guess it is. Yeah, excellent. Um, ponds. I'm not sure if there's ponds. I imagine there's ponds and lots of ducklings. Mm. But um, if you want some duck, um, mm. shout out to Love a Duck. They do a fantastic um, box set of like Peking duck pancakes. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. off the chain. It's, <laughs> okay. off, it's all private duck. Yeah, you, you, yeah. You put it in yeah. microwave forty seconds. Yeah. You cut it up, put it in with spring onion. It's excellent. like going to Old Kingdom Smith Street back mm. in the day. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> nil. D- Dale Thomas um, turned mm. out for the Nil Tigers on the weekend. Now, right. the Nil Tigers had not won what? a game of football for 1,029 days. And, that um, sounds like a long time. With a northerly wind howling down the ground to the silo end. Mm. And I'm reading from um, a journalist's account here. Mm. Nil led at quarter time, considered four goals to none against the wind <laughs> in the second, kicked mm. five goals. That wind must have been howling. Kicked five goals to none in the third. <laughs> it's like whichever, whoever's got the wind yeah. and held on to win by two points Wow! as their opposition, the Southern Mallee Giants. God, that's that's a real bully boss. That's just like a yeah. team full of Patrick Cripses. Um, yeah. Missed their last three shots in the fourth. So they, they fell over the line. Very but lucky, very lucky. Must be said that our very own Dale Thomas played as a loose man across the halfback line in the last quarter. Yep. to try and retard and rebound those uh, attacking mm-hmm. four rays from the Giants to great effect. Um, he's gone out there and he's helped them win their first game in 1,029 days. There's a great photo on the article, the ABC article I'm looking at, mm. of the boys, the Tigers boys in there. They don't wear the Tiger strip. They wear a blue strip with a Tiger head on it and um, just all shapes and sizes. How good is bush footy? Like the guy yeah. in the front row here has got like, well, it appears to be like a red spiky wig on and like just covered in freckles, big beer gut. you got Dale Thomas in the front row. He's, he's also got an unusual shaped uh, body. Always has had an unusual shaped body, the boy from Druin, but he's always been a natural athlete, obviously. We love him at the pies. Mm. Um, and it says in the caption, Neil coach Trevor Albrecht tells his charges not to lose momentum after their drought-breaking win. Well, sorry, Trev. And sorry, mm. Neil, but I don't think that Daisy's going to turn out for you for the rest of the season, and I'm pretty sure that might be your last win for another thousand or so days. But um, uh, hard yes is for Dale, mm. who I, I would suggest in contrast to Dane, premiership teammate, is getting out there in the community to help, you know, a bat- battling bush club um, yeah. rather than going for the razzle-dazzle of Vegas-style um, showmanship. Now, not that it matters, but I'm seeing lots of Carlton draft paraphernalia in the photogra- photography that I'm seeing. Is this some kind of um, ad type scenario? Is this a is this a sponsored? Like, what was he playing for? Is this the Carlton draft? Well, it's a good a question pr- because there is, yeah, I hadn't actually hadn't thought of that because it doesn't yeah. say. In, I guess I'm getting the information from an ABC News article, and they're not mm. going to mention sponsors. But you're right. There's that ad campaign we've seen where. Local clubs get like mm. an ex-player, and there's, there's there's Roughhead, as in mm. the Hawthorne Roughhead, and Dale Thomas, and someone else mm. in the. Ad so, so look, we're not we're not we're not shit counting this. I think it's a great 
it's a great initiative. So obviously what's happening here is Carlton Draft have enlisted a bunch of former AFL heavyweight superstars mm. and I would say it would be paying their match fee so it doesn't come out of the club's coffers and dare I say it, capturing some content along the way. So it could be, it could be way off the mark here. Um, but regardless... Heartwarming story. Um, ducks all round. I can see that they've got the Lover Duck logo on their jumper. Did oh, you did notice they? that? That's heartwarming. Yeah, that's glad, so good. I'm glad about that. What's our hard no? Oh, yeah. So, I'm calling this one media baiting. And do you ever get the feeling, supporting Collingwood, that the media just loves uh, a really good Collingwood magpie bait? Oh, they love it and more I'm, than anything else. And boy, does the magpie army bite when it happens. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Mm. The first example is Ginevan, and we've covered that, so we won't go over old ground. Mm. Um, the second example is this sort of the emergence of these like hypothetical trades that you've- I don't know if you start seeing this come through, but the one that got the most amount of attention or the one that I saw mm. was- the emergence of, of uh, known stickman Darcy Cameron as a more than competent um, lead. What do you call it? More right. than competent first ruck yeah. for the Collingwood Football Club. Now, lots of speculation in the media around does Collingwood make the hard call on Brody Grundy? Do mm. they look to offload? Do they send him back to Adelaide? Do they try and get rid of some of that um, massive payout? Mm. And- I've just, it's just, it's not even worth, like, I'm just so, I mean, regardless, like, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, but it's, it's just so, like, you wouldn't even be having that conversation if, you know, Darcy Cameron, uh, hang on, I'll, I'll repeat that. But it's hard to break apart the known kind of red rag to a bull Collingwood media baiting bait-and-switch manoeuvre from the modern mainstream mm. media versus a, a, a legitimate conversation and discussion around a, a player movement, of which there's no indication that anything like this would even happen. It's funny, isn't it? I reckon going back a few years before we were media personalities, quite hard, I probably assumed that these types of stories come up because, you know, because, for instance, Darcy Cameron is playing well um, and Brody Grundy's contract is a burden and maybe that's been spoken about in the club and so there's a newsworthy element. But when you, when you work in the media as we do, um, you come to learn that all news stories are just an idea which is created by an individual or a group of people at Fox Footy often or SCN or whatever the news outlet is in order to get as much attention as possible in any given mm. situation. And they're going to look at the, the media slate for that week, the, the, the topics, the headlines. They're going to run with Ginevan. You know, it's going to get a lot of clicks. Anything to do with Collingwood always gets clicks. I mean, mm. how often have we seen in our lifetime the back page of the Herald Sun being Collingwood-oriented because they know that people would pick up that physical paper back when we bought physical papers because there were so many Collingwood supporters. But, yeah, the, the narrative is very much dictated by these media organisations who are after as much kind of cut through as possible. And this week it's the Brody story. Mm. Um, 
it's interesting because uh, I think it's feeding into a narrative which is going on for a long time about you know Brody being overpaid, and I mm-hmm. think that you know the Cameron situation coming through um, does give the club more flexibility than they probably thought. But what what are your thoughts on the the scenario? Well, it's it's just like if you if you if you entertain that for a second, mm. he's on he's on a really big salary, right? And you know you could argue that his form. I mean, he's he's coming. He's, he's injured at the moment, right? So he's not going to likely that he won't play the rest of the season. I think it'd be crazy to, for Collingwood to risk him, unless of course there is finals on the horizon and make a play of it. But my my kind of view on that is to offload him. I think no club is just going to take his salary, so yeah. it's probably going to be a scenario where Collingwood has to pay some of the salary. And we know we're already doing that with Trelaw. It just doesn't. It actually doesn't make fiscal sense. It's not fiscally um, responsible, but it's toxic from a PR point of view. Mm. After the Trelaw fiasco, you know the the Ned guy situation which unfolded it's just a pr disaster just to unload you know who is a, a popular talismanic type figure at the club albeit mm. one who hasn't reached quite the heights that we would have hoped in the last two seasons but i think that the damage culturally would put them right off and from yeah. a pr perspective yeah and it's kind of it was always like, i think that was it was um nick rewalt's comments the one that was reported on Fox Sellers, always you can always trace it back to a St Kilda player, can't you? You really, when you get into this magpie baiting mm. and you really start unpacking it, there's always a there's always a salty saint lurking in the um you know in the in the laneway next to Docklands Stadium with these uh, notepad out, just uh, sending off these little uh, barbs and jibes. We see you know, mm. we were. You're right, him and Montagna. But just just covering off on that topic. I think one thing that I'm enjoying at the moment is seeing Cox and Cameron play in the same side and play roles. I mean, Cameron's game on the weekend was, he. I mean, that was elite. I mean, that was above and beyond what we could have expected from him, I think, as a player, as a backup ruckman. So I'm, in, I'm loving having the two big guys. Now, Cox is 31 going on 32, I think. He's not going to be around for long. Um, and, you know, he's much more now, I think, the backup than Cameron is. There's absolutely no problem in my mind with the idea of having Cameron and Brody play as a duo and mm. one going forward. And I actually think that Cameron's probably got more runs on the board as a forward um, than Brody, mm. but we've seen that Cameron can play in the ruck as well. The flexibility of having two big men, I think that pragmat- pragmatically as an on-field decision, I think that we can make Brody and Cameron work. So the dichotomy of uh, is it one or the other is false and led by Bitter St Kilda types. Okay, Damo, so this is hard news, the segment mm. where we cast our searing judgment on all the other heavy-hitting topics making news today. So I'm going to ask you some questions. You're going to ask me some questions. We're going to uh, get to the bottom of, uh, you know, just how we should judge these topics uh, moving forward from a play-hard perspective. Mm. Let's do it. All right, I'll just get the gavel. Gavel. Gavel? Gavel. Damo. Yes. Chris Tarrant put his Turek home up for <laughs> sale mm. uh, in recent days. Can you explain to me or describe to me what the home's like? And is he asking too much in the current real estate <laughs> environment? Okay, I'm going to call this one um, Tarrant's Majestic Marble Mansion. 
and yeah. it it so Tarrant and his uh, and his wife, uh, an interior designer. Apparently, they're they're um they're not opposed to uh, fixing up and flipping homes. I think flippers, flipping homes. Yeah, flippers. Now he's they've they've got a home for sale. And it caught our attention, a mouth-watering 15 to $16.5 million shack in Turak. Let me just talk through some of the features okay. to floor you. It boasts a rooftop retreat with an infinity pool. You know what an infinity pool is. You know that, right? And dribbling off the side. Dribbles off the side, yep. spills, o- spills over into the Yarra. Uh, a wine storage room. Now, you've got to check out this wine storage room because you think of a wine storage room as just racks and racks of wine. Yeah. This is not that. This is like two shelves with like eight wine bottles just placed on the shelf like it's like you're walking into a wine shop that's having a closing down sale and it's only got like six bottles of wine left on just empty. It's like it's amazing. You've got to check it out. Six bottles of Oxford Landing. It's the most bizarre wine room I've ever seen, but it looks glorious. Mm. Now, it's got a, a gym, a steam room and a sauna. I actually- Full disclosure, I had a sauna before this podcast, so if you can, you know, if you're getting this kind of lucid, um, flowing delivery, it's because uh, it's I was in a uh, sauna with seven other people. Wondering um, where your clothes were. It's very good. Uh, it's got a lift. You know, you know, you're, you know, you're, you know you're doing well when your home's got a lift. Mm. Expensive to uh, maintain, but boy, does it save, yeah, seconds, take seconds off your journey. Um, and a five-car garage. Shit. Now- Five homes? We know Chris Tarrant from Collingwood, but we also know Chris Tarrant from the functions at the Collingwood Football Club because yeah. Chris Tarrant is in business development at the Collingwood Football Club. I thought he was there. the door bitch. I thought, I thought yeah. he was scrambling. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. He's, he's, greeting, he's, greeting the, he's greeting the clients as they kind of walk oh, okay. through the door with a handshake and a, and a, and a bum tap. You know, closing deals, closing deals type of guy. But if you're sitting on a five-car garage worth an estimated 16 mil. Yeah. Is that what, they, what are they asking? For the, <laughs> what are you doing at the club? What are they asking 16 for mil. 16. 16 mil. It's They'll get tu- it too. It's I mean, that's, They won't check get out, it. Oh, check out that wine storage room. This is a money. <laughs> this is a money grab. I must say, just today, mm. interest rates rising by more than expected. As the real estate... Uh, industry starts to you know get a worried they put mm. out a big number they'd be stoked with 10 mil put out 16 <laughs> I- happy to settle but i must say that if you are building a pool i've got a photo up here if you're building a pool mm. and you decide to design a very sleek looking marble lounge yeah that protrudes over the top of the pool somehow yeah yeah for it's no other reason than no. just aesthetic prowess and getting closer to that view over the Grange mm. Road in the city. Yeah. Modern Italian villa, I think, was the brief. But check it out. It's a it's a gorgeous house. I might see Chris actually on Monday, full flex here, back into the President's Lounge. We go. Pie Hard exclusive. Hang on, um, hang on. You done it again, mate. <laughs> pie Hard back into the President's back Lounge. Back in. Yeah, Listen, back, you, back you for- can choose pie or hard. <laughs> But you cannot drop pie hard in the Presence Club unless I get a gig. I'm, I'm out there oh, shivering look, in the you know, you, Listen, you know. two donuts at halftime for $9. I'm shivering. You know, I'm, the, I'm a man of the people. I'm watching and analyzing the game. Your back is facing the, the thick <laughs> double glazing as you hoe into your undercooked lamb. Listen. Overcooked listen, lamb. This is not. In, this is. This is. Li- 
This is linking and building. This is linking and building. This is hard work. This is in no way a um, a relaxing, enjoyable, booze-filled, delicious, sumptuous afternoon watching the football behind double glazed glass. I'm going to be I'm going to be on my hands and knees, dropping off pie-hard business cards, closing deals, chatting to Latrobe Financial, trying to get some discounts for what do you our say um, when pie-hard Weiss, listeners. When Weisswitz sidles up to you, steals your party pie, and says, "Oh, mm. hey, hard, where's pie?" You just like, oh, he can't make it, or because I have not seen any like you know email mm, invitations no. come my way. I'm not seeing a lot of like missed calls. Um, you know, the, if the power brokers in there at Collingwood want the full, yeah, pie experience, pie hard experience, you the know, in the yang. Come on, like, look, I, look, I promise you this: if there's if we're ever invited to a Weislitz Gala season launch extravaganza with. Flamethrowers, snakes, live live pythons, mm. and um, burlesque dancers. You know you're going to be side side by side. Well, with we've me, already but- concocted the plan to get in as a caterer to the Weisslets Ball, <laughs> but um, I believe you're walking in the front drawer of the President's Club. Good luck to you, mate. To be honest, mm, thank you. Um, I like to watch the game and live yeah. the game, so mm. me, mm. I'll give you your lamb or chicken. You'll be doing the game in a movie uh, next round. So, did we hit the gavel? Is that the idea? Listen to your little limp-wrist president's club gavel. This is how it goes. <laughs> well, that was that was only the first topic <laughs> of hard news, mm. of which there's 19 topics. No, it's not really. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> now, Alex, we are bastions of art on PyHard, and this was actually sent to us, but... I'm sure it didn't escape your prying eyes. And, of course, we're going all the way to the Rising Festival in Melbourne. Now, the Rising Festival is a progressive avant-garde art festival that's taking over the streets of Melbourne. Mm. It's kind of our version of Dark Mofo. You know, let's yep. let's call it for what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a facsimile of what they're doing down in Tasmania. But, hey, we're all for it and, you know, we're, we're, we're supporting it a thousand percent. You might see us down there. Now, something that caught my eye was um, an artist has done a reenactment of the 2011 mark of the year, Mm. but it's done with a series of bondage ropes (laughs) elevated high above Swanson Street in one of the most visually impressive displays of bondage, art, creative art. Uh, of emotion, of feeling, of mood, of vibe mm. that we've ever seen. And it's look, it's not often that the worlds of fine high art and football collide, mm. but can you just talk us through the visual that you're looking at right now? Because I think for our listeners that haven't seen it, mm. uh, it's, a, it's a site that, that deserves to be um, discussed. And um, Yeah, look, it's impressive um, and weird. I mean, not all Pie Hard listeners or Collingwood supporters will be able to jive with the, the progressive art scene down at Rising Festival, mm. but this is Collingwood themed and it's what an idea. I mean, as you said, they've got an abundance of bondage ropes. I'm looking at a picture which was in the NGV Grand Hall mm. um, or Great Hall um, on the weekend and they've suspended these individuals who are all playing parts in a reenactment, like a frozen reenactment, real people suspended with ropes, frozen in the position of Andrew Cracker's 2011 Mark of the Year winning mark, mm. um, which was a kind of an epic, kind of almost a pack splitter from memory. Um, and it's quite, um, it's quite arresting. Um, I must say the bondage ropes 
make it kind of hard to see the protagonist. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the kind of thing which on paper as the festival organiser, you know, an artist submits their proposal, you'd be like, yeah, this is, this is, this is tapping into sport culture, Melbourne culture, Indigenous culture. This is a, this is a great idea. When you see it in real life, it's, it's, um, it's unusual. It's unusual. But what it is, Damo, is it's a terrific marriage of sport and sport and art. Not just any sport, Collingwood and art. And we love that about it. Still Lives is direct, taken directly from the Rising website. Still Lives is a durational and site-specific performance installation series in which artists Luke George from Melbourne and Daniel Cock from Singapore capture in um, inverted commas with ropes a significant moment or movement in relation to its cultural context. The process of tying reveals the social connections and community bonds between bodies. In its first iteration, Still Lives Venice was a four-hour performance installation for the 2019 Venice Biennale, where the right. artists tied up a gondola and gondolier mm. using one kilometre of locally made jute rope in a public square. But in Still Lives Melbourne, the artist duo looks at Melbourne's obsession with the Australian rules football game mm. By tying and suspending five players to recreate Andrew Cracker's 2011 AFL Mark of the Year, as you said, in the NGV's Great Hall. The personal histories of each player illuminate life in the city of Melbourne and various social issues that are entwined with the sport. Yeah, Andrew says, this is something I'm extremely proud of. Even in my wildest dreams, I never thought it would be such a living sculpture. So I am extremely flattered and flattered. Double flattered there. Okay, Alex. So my question for you is: mm. upon seeing the uh, remarkable work that's taken place down at Rising, mm. are there any other potential artistic endeavours yeah. that we can draw upon to celebrate some really famous magpie moments? Have you been to the Ice Festival in Sapporo, Damien? <laughs> Not. No, I haven't. Never been to. Um, Never been to the ice festival in Sapporo. Alex. This is a real international episode we got. Mm. France. All over the shop. Japan. So up there in the, on the northern island of Japan, they've got mm. an, an annual ice festival, which is, I mean, it's the world's biggest ice festival by a long way. And we're not talking mm. about Ben Cousins' <laughs> after party. It is an astonishing array of ice sculptures hewn mm. from massive blocks of ice. When I went there wow. uh, in the year 2005, um, it was quite incredible to see, but I walked around the corner on the first morning after flying in, mm. and there in front of me is uh, Flinders Street Station. In what? Us. So they had some. What? They had some of the world's oh, landmarks, landmarks cut in ice to not quite full size, but like two thirds ratio. Like mm, incredible. Right. Like you've never mm, seen mm, mm. ice sculptures of this nature. I'm looking at it now. It does look, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, it looks really good. Well, got me thinking, I think you're right. Like Rising Festival has shown us the door of what could mm. potentially be an exploration of art and magpie moments uh, through history. And the obvious one that jumped to mind for me uh, would be a massive ice sculpture mm. of Shane Morewood's head, mm. erected, yes. carved. Carved on the banks of the Yarra, just down yeah. near Birrungma there, to commemorate yeah. the winter solstice yeah. each year. And a kind of pagan festival that could take place mm. around it of, of Collingwood supporters to and from the, the game, that a great walk you can do over the bridge to the G. Um, mulled wine, projections, um, get Shane's um, extended family down there, 
to judge the mullet competition, long-legged sprinting contests, dancing, fire twirling, pythons even. Why slits? Mm. Get on down. Hot dogs, hot dogs with mustard, um, and, of course, Shane Morewood's massive, massive ice pill. And, of course, we'd call it Morfest. Morfest. Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen those really elaborate ice sculptures at parties where you um, pour a drink in the top of the ice sculpture. Oh, yeah, okay. And then it, it kind of slowly makes mm. its way down. You could have it literally come out of Morwood's mouth mm-hmm. and into a, a vestibule or some kind of cup mm. um, and Almost a chilled- like a mass, a midnight mass. A midnight mass and a, a chilled- uh, Udi, uh, mm. chilled ouzo or whatever is is at your beck mm. and call after going uh you know strategically mm. through via the Iceman. Uh, I, I love the it blood of james heard via shane morewood's ice gullet and it really it really <laughs> is sort of like a modern articulation of McAllister's maggie land isn't it like we all know you know i was i was thinking a lot about elvis presley and graceland with the new Baz Luhrmann movie hitting yeah. theaters or you know being being uh the premiere this week and it really was it, all the talk of Graceland did Graceland did take me back to McAllister's vision for and if you haven't heard us talk about this on Pie Hard, it was a vision for really turning Victoria Park into a mecca for magpie fans, mm-hmm. um, having an assortment and array of um, art installations, um, a museum, um, you know, showbiz attractions. You know, nothing not un, not not on levels that we haven't seen before. I mean, obviously there's Disneyland and there's you know, there's museums like the Louvre, but Maggie Land was really, you know, a celebration of all things Collingwood. Mm. Never, never got off the ground, unfortunately, but um, could definitely see the uh, Shane Moorwood Ice Gullet um, premiering at, at at Victoria Park soon. I think there's a lot of scope, absolutely, to harness the power of art and the power of good art, the communicative influence that artists have in our culture down here in Melbourne. Um, you know for the power of good and the power of Maggie Land. So I think it's a, mm. it's a good call. So get on down to Rising. It finishes this weekend. You might get a glimpse of um, someone pretending to be Cracker um, elevated in bondage ropes near the ceiling of the NGV. Very cultured episode of Pie Hard. Okay, we're rounding the final stretch and, uh, of course, we're going to finish off this episode with our this week's Hard Ask. <laughs> As we catapult our way towards the uh, mid-season break, we are going to see a return of the player exodus. Now, we've seen this, I think it's it's only like a 10-day break, isn't it? But we've seen many players over the journey pre-COVID use this as an opportunity to head overseas, recharge, relax. We've seen a lot of players head to Bali, head to, head to warmer climbs, really get away from the, the football bubble. So our question on hard ask, as we remove ourselves from the scourge that was the coronavirus. Um, we asked a simple question, which current player would you choose to join on their mid-season break mm. and where would you go? Now, before I get into some of the uh, amazing responses that we had from our listeners on PyHard, Alex, I'm going to ask you the question, which current player would you choose to join on their mid-season break and where would you go? Demo, I'd like to go to Malakuta with Darcy mm. Cameron. I feel like right. Darcy Cameron, he's... You know, Darcy Cameron, he's, he, I, I don't know him from Bar Soap in terms of his personality, but watching from afar, I would say that he's your big 
mate who always laughs at your jokes and he's yep. just a good-natured guy to be at the pub with. I'd like to do some fishing with him. I don't do much fishing, but I think he'd be a good guy to fish with down at Malakuta. And I'd like to have a big old session at the Malakuta pub, um, which culminates in um, skinny dipping in one of the many bodies of water in that region. Mm, love it, love it. Okay, well, for my um, mid-season break, I'm going to partner with none other than Jordan Degoe. And we are going to head overseas and we're going to go to one of the remote, one of the world's most remote towns where civilization still exists. And I've chosen. Have you got the Atlas up now? Like, <laughs> no, I just. No, I, had, I, had, I had it. I just lost it. And so I'm going to take Jordan Degoe to Itacortimate in Greenland. Now, the small town of Itacortimate in Greenland mm. is the most remotely inhabited community in the Western Hemisphere. Its closest neighbour is the Northeast Greenland National Park, which is the world's largest national park. It's overrun by polar bears, reindeers and walruses. The only human presence in the park is a serious sled patrol, a Danish naval unit, so residents really are all on their own there. <coughs> now, I'm taking Jordan to Itacortimate because... As we touched on at the start of the pod, he's in white hot form. Mm. He's coming up to the uh, end of his current uh, contract. We want Jordan to stay. We see him as an integral part of the Collingwood Football Club moving forward as Fly McRae builds a team around um, some of our older heads and, and supplant that with, with the younger heads. So, I'm going to take him as far away from mm. the glittering lights of Las Vegas, from New York, from the Gold Coast, and we're just going to have a quiet um, fishing trip uh, away from the prying eyes of media and uh, and the bathrobes of uh, New York City. I like it. I like it. So, just to be clear, in Intercontinent, there's no Monster Energy drink? <laughs> no. no there's none no of that. Frisbees? No frisbees, no There's dirt bikes. No dirt bikes. There's no uh, no bo no bottle service. No bottle service. You mentioned there's no um, dressing gowns. No Nick Rewalt. No Twitter. No Instagram. No women. Um, just really big hairy <laughs> Greenlanders. That just polar bears. If if he was to pick a fight, he'd be soundly. In fact, no, we don't want him. <laughs> to send him over to Wolfhart to get his hamstrings reattached. But. Polar bear, polar bear steak. All right, let's go through some of the responses from uh, our listeners. Friend of the pod, Billy, said, catch up with Trey Rusco for a few Jim Beam and Cokes with his family. I think there's a little reference to, uh, is it Trey's mum? She's mom. the... She's yeah. the gold one. And wouldn't that be a lot of fun hanging out with those guys for a weekend, I reckon? Not my first choice. Phil Devlin, friend of the pod. Uh, thanks for writing in, Phil. John Noble, wildlife photography safari holiday. Love it. Interesting. Love it. Yeah. Is that an interest of John's? No, no, no. I know what Phil's doing here. This is a reference to John's uh, tattoo art. Have you ever seen his? Oh. Have you ever seen his tats? Have we talked about oh, his tats on Biart before? I think we. Is it's it a savannah. It's the lion. It's the full. I just saw the, it the other day, and I was like squinting at this. I was like, "Is that the Lion King?" It's the African. No, it's the Afri It's the African savannah. It's okay. like. Yeah, you know, it's like mongooses and everything. Yeah, the whitest boy alive with his African tattoos. <laughs> Pete Stoneham said the Dacos boys, so I can hang out with Peter as well. My idol. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. Jeez, ten days wouldn't be enough with the Dacos clan. People, I reckon that trend they, here. People don't care where they go as long as they've got the right. No, company. no, no. Yeah, I just I, I suspect though the Dacos. What would you clan, do with him? 
They'd go that, no, they'd go to Yarrawonga. I reckon they're a Yarr- Yarrawonga yeah, family. Up, up, up there on, on the like get up on the Murray. I mean, you could get in the Murray with the Dacos boys, or you could go squid fishing with the Rocker boys. That would be two fantastic mid season breaks. I like this one. This is Glenn Peters. Go and see Jack Ginnivan back at his old club to watch some country footy. I is think we're going to have to do that. Up near Bendigo, Castlemaine, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Castlemaine. So, I think we're going to have to do that at some point, head, head back to the country and see some football. Maybe we should back the truck up and do a, a mm. pie hard from the, from the boundary line. Uh, Justin, Brody wine tasting in Rutherglen or back to McLaren Vale? Mm. Now, known wine, wine head. Brody Grundy didn't mm. he release his own batch of oh yeah Wolf Blast at one point? He was definitely a figurehead. Yeah, he was an ambassador there at Wolf Blast. Burgundy by Brody. He was. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Second reference for Sergio on today's pod. Uh, Jordan Degoe, Bali to get warm. <laughs> now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it's, we we might need a chaperone if we are sending Degoe to Bali. And we might need some, um, just someone to, a priest or someone just to, to, to make sure that all runs, it's all kosher. But I love that. That's a list management decision. That's a delisting decision. It could go. It's a Bob each way, isn't it? Footy Pal said, Jack, imagine no reason needed. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm not sure that's the, the best use of your long weekend. But look, I, I think he seems like a nice guy. I could shoot some hoops down at the primary school. It'd be good. Schmick 2.0 said, I'll take Jordan Degoe to a quiet... I like the theme of this. I'll take Jordan Degoe to a quiet little B&B in the Yarra Valley for a week. Take him antiquing yeah, some, responsible wi- some responsible wine and cheese tastings and maybe peruse the Yarra Glen market for some locally made preserves. <laughs> that's really romantic. That's excellent, I, isn't I'd it? I'd love to come along on that That's one. excellent. That's, a, that's, the, that's the tourism. That's the tourism campaign right there for the Yarra Valley. I think it's beautiful you showing off the uh, best local produce. To go his thick-headed snake mug on a tourism <laughs> campaign. There's something incongruous, but, <laughs> just, but perfect. Dugowie would love, you know, quince paste or some kind of like fig. Well, they do. They tend to get into their mid-20s footballers mm. and mm. once they've beaten their PlayStation habit, <laughs> it's um, they then they then take on up, up something, usually wine or something, because it's this beacon of sophistication that they think can elevate them, you know, upwardly mobile out of the other end of the football career. And so it could well be quince paste <laughs> tasting. Duck liver pate. Mm, love a duck. Get down to Neil. I think, as we said, Dugowie was the guy that sort of just took it too far and, like, everyone was going home to see family and Dugowie, like, jumped on a plane that afternoon and flew out to, like, Thailand. Like, I think I think he broke the mould <laughs> on, like, you know, yeah. sort of took took an inch and, and ran a couple of miles with it. But, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a, there's a common trend coming through with this uh, hard-ass this week. But, look, before we get into that mid-season break, we have a game of football to play oh, yeah. on Monday. Oh, yeah. And it's going – look, we have a good form line against the Demons and, you know, I love when Collingwood football club come in as underdogs the stage is set it's queen's birthday melbourne's been rattled um half of us are in the president's club i think it's going to be a very very interesting and enjoyable queen's birthday (laughs) especially with the with the jubilee celebrations just adding some extra impetus to um what you know is a celebration of the queen's birthday it's not her actual birthday but um when has that ever stopped uh, a game of football from taking place and very excited to um, dive into that game next week on Pie Hard. Alex, any closing thoughts before we wrap this one up? Yeah, Damo, massive week. This is our opportunity to come home with the non-fungible triptych. 
care of Phil Devlin, who uh, posted that on our Twitter during the week. The value of our artwork here at Pie Hard is going to absolutely skyrocket should we take the Vicky's home on Monday. Through Can't the roof. wait to go to the game. Don't forget we are at Pie Hard Podcast uh, on Twitter, on Instagram. Hit us up if you've got anything you want us to dive into. Please make sure you review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Just mm. helps us um, sort of get more cash in from sponsors like Spices Paper. Viatel and mini skips uh it all goes to a good cause so thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next week this one goes out to entrecote paris and paran just a little something to put on the speakers when those demons boys come in and try and pull off an impersonation of collingwood in your restaurant this is pie hard showing my age here but when I was a teenager I'd go down to the store to buy a compact disc get really excited save up my money go buy a CD and sometimes at the end of the album the uh, the band if they were really cool they put in a secret track for the really hardcore listeners that that stayed on and you you've won that accolade you're a hardcore listener you're still here with me Damo's gone home um, just thought I'd throw it out there without Damo here if anyone's got any way of accessing the president's club on monday any 
spare tickets in any way at all I could I could get in. Love to, I'd love to get some chicken or beef, some crown lager maybe, Grange Hermitage, just a dribble, dribble of Grange. Sediment at the bottom's fine. Frydenberg's backwash, take what I can get. Beggars can't be juices. So Paul, 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 if you're listening, you've got my number. <laughs>